Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 20 is where I'm going to begin reading. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 20. And also, you can just uh, hold your place there and flip over just a couple chapters to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to start there as well, the first two texts we're going to look at. And I just want to let you know, we're going to be in 1 Samuel in a, a few chapters, all pretty much close to each other for the majority of this message today. Uh, so you, have a, you, know, you, you can flip over a little bit, but it won't be taking you too far yeah, if, you can, uh, you know, if you would like to follow along with me in your Bible. So 1 Samuel 10.20 and then 1 Samuel 15.10. Like I said, we're going to continue our series, I Was Wondering. And one of the things uh, that... Uh, that was listed, a few of y'all have asked to, to preach a message on, uh, was insecurity. Have you ever wondered what the Bible tells us about insecurity, what the Bible shows us about insecurity? As I was praying and going through, and Pastor Todd asked me to, to preach today and, and I, uh, to go on with the, the series, uh, that really just stuck out on me because I really feel like there's a lot of people that do deal with insecurity. Some know that they deal with it, and some may not know that they deal with it. And today, I'm hoping to speak to, uh, to, to both groups of, of people. Uh, and, and what I want to do is I want to show you something, a person's life, the life of Saul. As I, as I just this year, as I was reading through again, reading the Bible again and started studying the life of Saul, I noticed what popped out at me is that one of Saul's major problems was insecurity. One of his major problems was insecurity. And we're going to look at that today. So if you're in First Samuel chapter 10, I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. And to set it up, uh, this is where right before uh, right at the time where Israel continued to ask God for a king. They wanted a king. They wanted a king. If you look at the history of Israel, they never had a king before. They were always ruled by judges, but they wanted to be like the other nations around them. So finally God said, okay, if you want a king, I'll give you a king. But he also told you, I'll tell you what your king is going to be like. And so this is, we're picking up the story where Samuel, the prophet Samuel, uh, is about to appoint uh, Saul as, as Israel's king. So First Samuel 10 and 20 says, So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Madrites was chosen. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Now flip over to 1 Samuel 15. This is when he, we, we see where he appoints Samuel as king. Now flip over to 1 Samuel 15, just a few chapters later. And the story has changed drastically. It says in verse 10, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was, was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went to Gilgal. Then Samuel finally, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's commands. What he was talking about was that they went and they defeated uh, the Amalekites, and he told them to, to, to kill everything, kill all the people, all the, all the animals and everything. So he said, yeah, he was telling Samuel, I did exactly what the Lord told me to, but we just saw the Lord said he didn't. So verse 13 says, when Samuel, I mean verse 14, then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats? And the lowing of cattle, I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. 
And Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked? And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. Let's pray over the word today. Father, we thank you for your word, that it is life-giving, life-changing. We know that your word does not go back to your void, God, that it goes out and accomplishes exactly what you have set it forth to do. And I pray, God, according uh, to your will, that your will would be done uh, through this word today, that it would be uh, planted in the hearts of your people, and that it would not just be planted there to be dormant, but that it would, it would sprout up and would produce fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold, and that it, everybody, Lord God, that hears this word would be encouraged, equipped, strengthened in their faith, transformed, Lord God, into what you want them to be. In Jesus' wonderful name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So we see that, that Saul, just from, from, from that line right there, we see where God, uh, well, where God appoints Saul as king, and then right after that, he rejects him. At the beginning, we see Saul was hiding among the baggage. He was hiding, he was hiding out, didn't want nobody to see him. But then towards the end, when he comes back to, to rebuke him and say, look, I was sad, I'm sad that I even appointed him. And Samuel said, even though you think little of yourself, this is, a, this is a key verse right here that sticks out in me that shows me uh, Saul's condition of insecurity, that he was insecure. He thought little of himself. He felt like he didn't, he didn't uh, you know, measure up to the man that, that he needed to be, especially to be king over the nation of Israel. So, so what is insecurity? What is insecurity as we begin to look at this today and see what the Bible tells us and shows us about insecurity? Insecurity is a lack of confidence or assurance. It's a profound sense of self-doubt a deep feeling of uncertainty about our basic worth and place in the world. You, you don't understand what your worth is. You feel like maybe you never, you, you, don't, you won't ever measure up no matter what you do, no matter how, how far you get in life, what, you, what you've been doing, uh, who you are, maybe in your relationships and your work. You just feel like, like you don't know your worth. You're always doubting yourself. Uh, you, you, you just, you don't measure up things. I'm, I'm never as good as somebody else might want me to be, or maybe that, that God wants me to be. I just feel like I'm always falling short. You're always doubting yourself. That, that's, that's the, the, the gist of what insecurity is, a profound sense of self-doubt, uncertainty, and the basic even, what, what am I supposed to be doing here? I have, I have no clue. And, and, and your base, what we're going to see today is that we base life decisions and we base um, our actions and our path that we go through in life, if we're insecure and insecurity is plaguing us, it, it'll, it'll take us down some paths and, and act, cause us to do things that, that, that is very unproductive and not healthy at all for ourselves or those around us. And that's what we're going to look at today. Using Saul's life, I'm going to look at a few major events in Saul's life right here in 1 Samuel. We're going to read a few scriptures, uh, and we're going to look at some of the problems that insecurity caused in his life, but also as a picture of the insecurity it can cause in our lives. How many of y'all know these Old Testament stories were here as a, as a picture, as a warning, the Bible says for us, right? Paul says that. Paul says that the Old Testament was given as a warning, as an example for us to show us things in our own lives. You might think, well, Brandon, I really, as you say to all this, I don't feel like I'm an insecure person. I feel pretty secure, pretty confident in who I am and what I'm doing in life. Uh, and just, well, as we go through this, just listen to some of the, some of the fruits of insecurity, uh, quite possibly. And as, if some of these things we talk about, we're going to look at five of the problems of insecu- that insecurity can cause in your life. And, and if you have real, these reoccurring problems or issues in your life, the root of it could be insecurity. Not always, but it could be insecurity. So even if you feel like uh, you're not, it, it, may be, it might be that. And I pray that the Lord will show you if it is. So let's look at some of these problems that insecurity can cause in our lives. Number one, insecurity can cause you to become prideful. 
Insecurity can cause you to become prideful. Look in 1 Samuel 15, 12. It says, early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Cornwall to set up a monument to himself. A monument to himself. I think that's a good picture of, of pride. He set up a monument to himself. Well, what do you mean? Well, I just, I mean, I like history. And if you just kind of recognize any great leader or great, say, warrior, general, anything, people set up monuments, statues, and memorial uh, to, to people that have gone in the past, right? I think of the, 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 um, the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Or what about, you know, Andrew Jackson's statue in Jackson Square in New Orleans? They didn't raise up those. I mean, the people came after them and, and raised up those statues of, of him and those monuments. And so, to me, that's a good picture of, of pride, how he set up a monument to himself. To himself, and he was right in the midst while he was doing that. Samuel was on his way to rebuke them, to rebuke him, to tell him that he was, you know, he was messing up. Well, how, how does that apply modern day? Well, I was beginning to think about this. Have you ever been around someone that's always talking about themselves, that are always bragging about themselves, that are always boasting about what they can do or what they have done? Anybody been around somebody like that? You know, they're, they're always talking about, I mean, after being around them a while, you're just like, man, can we talk about something else besides you, please? You know? What they're doing is, like Saul, they're setting up a monument to themselves. But you see, the root of that, I believe, is insecurity. Is that, you know, and that's what's funny. We're talking about, you know, well, well I thought you said insecurity is, is low self-confidence. Yes, but in low self-confidence, it's kind of like a reverse psychology type thing, for a lack of better words. You know, you, tr- you try to cover it up. You can try to cover up the, how you're feeling inside and how you see yourself by, by putting on a show. I had a friend that was like growing up that he always talked about what he can do, what he did. And, uh, and even to this day, talked to him just recently. And it's just, and I, and, and I begin to look at that now that I'm saved and say, you know, I, I bet you it's because he's really insecure. And I think about his past and, and lack of a father in his life. And we'll talk about all that later. But I'm sure it's because he's, he, he's insecure. You know, and, and, and that's what will happen. You, we'll put up pride as a front of, of what's really going on inside of you. Just, just insecurity. You, you, it, it, it'll, it'll be a cover. It'll be a cover, so to speak, for you. Pride and boasting can be used to cover up the fact that you're really insecure inside. Listen, superiority doesn't give birth to security. Superiority doesn't give birth to security. If you just, just if you talking about yourself or showing your accolades of what you can do, you know that that's not going to help you to actually get to a point where you know you are secure. We'll find out what really where we get security and how we find true security. So that's number one. If, if insecurity can cause you to become prideful. Now these next few uh, points, I want to actually go to the scripture first. And so for number two, let's go to First Samuel chapter thirteen. Flip over just a couple chapters. First Samuel thirteen and verse seven. 1 Samuel 13 and verse 7. I'm going to begin reading, and begin reading in verse 7. And I'm going to read to chapter 13. I mean verse 13. Verse 7 says, Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal while his, while his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there are seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcomed him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash, ready to battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering, there's that word again, myself, 
before you came. How foolish, Samuel explained, exclaimed, you have not kept the command the Lord your God had given you. Have you kept it? The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. In this scripture, we see that insecurity will cause you to take matters into your own hands instead of waiting on the Lord. It'll cause you to take matters into your own hands. You know, and, and we see the reason why, like here, about being insecure and, and, and being doubting yourself and doubting. This has to do what I believe what people think about you. I, I believe it says his, his troops are rapidly slipping away. And I believe in our own life, when you begin to feel your approval, people's approval about you slipping away, you begin to take things into your own hands. And it could be sin, it could be a conviction that you've let slip, slide, that you know is wrong, but you're trying to keep a relationship, you're trying to keep a coworker happy, you're, you're trying to keep maybe, you know, just, uh, just certain things in your life together, where, where the Lord has told you that not to do it this way, for, 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 him, for you to wait on him and to do it his way, but instead you take matters into your own hands. And isn't it just like God? Have you ever, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something, you've been praying about something, and, and, and you knew it wasn't God, but you just were so anxious, and you wanted to make a decision, you wanted to, to take action with something, and right when you did it, the Lord showed up and showed you the way he wanted to do it? You ever been there? And it is exactly what happened. It says as soon as he was finished offering the sacrifice, Samuel showed up. Samuel showed up, and, 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 and he, he had messed up. But he, he was worried about what people thought about him. He was worried about, you know, losing his men. And this is, this is, you know, and obviously he was in battle. But are you always concerned about losing friends? Are you concerned about losing relationships? And when you feel those things slipping away, maybe you take matters into your own hands. Usually when we do this, this will lead us into disobedience. This will lead us into disobedience. That's what he said. He said, listen, you know, you disobey the command of the Lord. And he said, man, it's powerful. You know, you look at decisions and stuff like somebody, you know, life is all about choices. I've heard somebody say one time, we're all one choice away from being in the ditch. And isn't that, isn't that true? Like, I mean, it says, if you would have did this, your kingdom would have been secure. But, but, he, but he messed up here. And then, you know, we had read the other scripture as well. But because of this, and I believe a lot of that was because of his, his insecurity that we, we see continuing on in his life. So number one, insecurity can cause you to become prideful. Number two, security can cause you to take matters into your own hands. And number three, for number three, let's look over just one chapter, 1 Samuel 14. And verse 24, 1 Samuel 14 and 24, and just a, another page or two over. And this is when they were on a campaign. King Saul and his son Jonathan was on a campaign, uh, a war campaign, and they were in battle, and they were chasing down their enemies. Uh, and we see where another problem arose for Saul. And beginning in verse 24 of, of chapter 14, it says, Now the men of Israel were pressed to ex- exhaustion that day because Saul had placed them under an oath, saying, Let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening before, have, before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything at all, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. Verse 27, but Jonathan had not heard his father's command, and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That is why everyone is weary and faint. My father has made trouble for us, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I have eaten this little bit of honey? If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among the enemies, think how much more, think how many more Philistines we could have killed. Number three is insecurity will cause you to make poor decisions. Insecurity will cause you to make poor decisions. 
Now, for all you young people out here, I'm not using the scripture to condone rebelling against your parents, okay? So make that clear. As a youth pastor, I have to cover backlash when it comes to that. You know, but, but, but we see how it was a bad decision. It was a poor decision. And I can relate. Very similar to even this situation in my own life. See, when I first came on uh, to staff here, when I first came on into ministry, I, I, I was, you know, I, I, I'm preaching this today out of someone that walked through insecurity for many years. One, before I got saved, we were actually talking about, you know, uh, uh, talking about my former life before, before I got saved. And I was insecure even back then because I always, I looked at what I was doing and everything for my security and I wasn't doing what everybody else was doing or most people were doing that I graduated high school. But even after I got saved, I knew God had called me. I knew I was in the ministry, but I was insecure. So that one of the first, it might have been the very first uh, youth encounter that I, I led up. We always get ready with prayer and fasting that week. And I remember I, I, I basically demanded, kind of like Saul, I demanded that all my youth leaders fast a certain way. That if you was going to, you know, we were going to, the, the leadership team, I wanted to make sure God was going to move. And I wanted everybody to fast just fruits and vegetables or just liquids or whatever it was going to be. And, and one, I, would, I started getting mad when they wasn't doing what I told them to do. And number two, I know they was getting mad at me because I was just being ridiculous. But, you know, the root of that was insecurity. I wasn't secure enough in, in really my faith in God or knowing how God worked and operated that, you know what, God's not like, oh, y'all ate some meat this week. Nobody's going to get touched at this youth encounter. You know, I, but I was just, I was, a, I was a young leader. I was an insecure leader. Just had just had taken over the youth ministry, and I made a poor decision. You know, because me doing that, God finally showed me, like, you know, you need to fast more because of your attitude and how you're, and what you're doing. You're, you're, it was just a bad decision. But let me ask you, that's in my own life. Have you ever made a poor decision looking back because of the way that you felt inside? Because of something you was dealing with or self-doubt or, or not sure how people react, maybe in your business or in your, in your home with your children, with, with, with relationships. You made a poor decision and you look back on it like, man, that was, you know, that was on me. That I just, if, if I would have been right, if I would have had the right frame of mind, the right spirit, the right you know, uh, uh, position with God, I wouldn't have made a, that decision. You know, insecurity will cause you to make poor decisions. Number four. For number four, let's flip over a couple, couple chapters to chapter uh, 18, chapter 18 and, and verse, verse 5, and this, this is a biggie. This is a biggie that really walks hand in hand with, with insecurity. Number 4 in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 5, and this is now what David's going to start entering the picture here um, uh, in this story and some of the major events in Saul's life. We know David was King David, succeeded uh, Saul after, uh, uh, as king af- after uh, he did, he, his, his, Time was over when the Lord removed him from the throne. So this is right after David had killed the giant Goliath. Right after David killed Goliath, uh, we're going to pick up the story in verse 5. It says, whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul met him, Saul, excuse me, Saul made him a commander over the men of war and an appointment that was welcomed by all the people and Saul's officials alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home from uh, returning home after David had killed the Philistine, talking about Goliath, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They, give cre- they, give, they credit David with ten thousands and me only thousands? Next, they'll be making him king. See, insecure about his position, losing his position. So from this time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. 
Number four is insecurity breeds jealousy. Insecurity breeds jealousy. Jealousy goes hand in hand with insecurity. If, if, you're, uh, if you're jealous often, I mean, we all, we're all human, we all mess up. But if, if jealousy is something that you continuously deal with, most of the time it's because you're insecure. You're jealous of someone, you feel threatened by someone because you're not secure in who you are uh, in, in your own life. You know, going back to me, I'm, I'm just going to, oh, I'm opening myself up about when I, once again, when I first came on in, in ministry and I just came on and, and, I, and there was quite a few youth pastors locally and even, you know, conferences that I go to nationwide that I was jealous of because I felt like they were doing it bigger and better and preached better, better and, 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 and the whole nine yards. And, and I was, you know, I was pretty jealous of them. And I, let me tell you, it will torment you. Jealousy will torment you, believe me, because this was something that I just couldn't seem to shake until God finally broke that off of me. And I'll tell you more about that later, how God broke that off of my life. You know, but, but now, now that I, I'm not, you know, God, I, all glory to God, now, you know, you know, going into it, I mean, six years later, I meet with, with youth pastors, you know, once a month. We've been meeting together for two years now. I meet with a group of uh, youth pastors, local youth pastors from around town, different churches, different denominations, and I love those guys. You know, and I'm, guess what? I'm not jealous of those guys, and I'm not threatened by those guys. Now I'm encouraged by those guys. Amen? Because, listen, jealousy, you know, jealousy will rob us from our function that God created us to be. As the body of Christ, we are made and created to work together to advance the kingdom. Amen? So when you're jealous of a brother or a sister in the Lord, that just stifles any productivity that, that you can have with that person. Now, like I said, we, I, I meet with these guys. I love them. We pray for one another. We give each other ideas on, on, on what's working for us or just, you know, maybe creative things that we've done that, that's worked or whatnot. And, and we can understand each other. You know, it, it's just a great thing. So now that that jealousy uh, got broken off, it's just, it's wonderful. These are, I look forward to this time of the the month, one of my my, my best times of the month, one of the most exciting things I do now because the Lord just was able to break that. He broke that off of my life. And we'll tell you how to do that in a little bit. Hey, let me stop here just for a minute and give you a couple of resources on this. You know, it's good to hear a message, but it's good to follow up with some resources. And dealing with jealousy, if, you, if, if this resonates in you and you want to even get more in-depth with this as we, uh, as, as we leave here today, as whenever we finish and the, the days and weeks start passing, uh, the first book is called Jealousy, The Sin That No One Talks About. If you want to jot that down, Jealousy, The Sin That No One Talks About, and is by R.T. Kendall. By R.T. Kendall. Uh, is the first book. And the second one, and, and some of you ladies might have heard about this one, it's called So Long Insecurity. And this is by Beth Moore. This one's geared uh, really towards ladies, um, but it, I think it'd be a, a great book. I know Felicia emailed, she just did a class on insecurity, uh, and she was telling me about some of these books. Great books to be able to get into and read. And listen, you guys, even if your wife reads uh, uh, so, you know, so Long Insecurity and she gets something out of it, even though it's geared towards women, you can glean something from it too. Amen? All right. The word is still the word, and God will use anybody to, to bring the word forward. So now, because Saul was so jealous of David, now we're at a point where this jealousy is, is breed just anger and jealousy. Because he's so, 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 so jealous of David, he begins to try to kill David. He, he begins to plot to take David out. Once again, knowing that he can sense that the kingdom is about to be David's and that he can see what's happening. And so he tries to kill David. But, but, but Saul's son, Jonathan, uh, is best friends with David. And David's trying to tell Jonathan, look, man, your dad's, out, your dad's trying to take me out, okay? I know it. He's trying to take me out. And Saul's like, no, man. And, and you know, at this point, remember, he already made David a commander. So he's one of, you know, his ranking officials. David is one of King Saul's ranking officials. And Saul's, I mean, Jonathan's like, no, nah, man, ain't, he's not trying to take you out. You're one of his right-hand men. He said, I'm telling you. 
So just kind of set up the story so I don't have to read all of it. The next point that we're going into, what happened was they have, uh, you know, one of the Jewish festivals is the New Moon Festival. And during a lot of their festivals, they would have, um, they would have feasts. You know, during every different days of the festival, they'd have feasts. So what David said was, look, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you myself. I'm not going to go to the feast these next couple of days. I'm going to hide out in the field. And I'm telling you, Jonathan, you go and, and, and see what happens when I'm not there. I bet you your dad's going to show his true color, so to speak. So Jonathan says, all right, I'm going to go and check it out. So he goes. First day, David's not there at the feast. And King Saul wonders, I wonder where, where the son of Jesse's at. David's at it. Well, I guess he maybe touched something made him unclean. But then the second day, David's not there. Saul begins to get a little suspicious, and he starts wondering. And he asks Jonathan, where's where is David at? Why isn't he two days in a row now? Why is he not sitting at the king's table eating uh, for this festival? And we're going to pick up the story there. First Samuel chapter 20. Flip over a couple of chapters. First Samuel chapter 20 and verse 27. First Samuel 20. Uh, and I'll probably actually, I'm going to pick up in verse 28 because I just set up the story. And I'm going to go where he replies. Saul asks his son Jonathan, where is this David at? Listen with Jonathan. Listen, uh, what was the reply? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if he can go to Bethlehem. He asked, please let me go for we are having a family sacrifice. My brother demanded that it be there. So please let me get away to see my brothers. That's why he isn't here at the king's table. Now Saul borrowed with rage at Jonathan and he said, you stupid son of a perverse and rebellious woman is what that that word spells out. I know we have kids in here today. He swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But why? Why should we put him to death? Jonathan asked his father, what has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. In verse 34, Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat on that second day of the festival, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. Number five is that insecurity will cause you to hurt those around you. Insecurity will cause you to hurt those around you. You know, we see the strong words that, that David used, uh, that, I'm sorry, that Saul used towards his son Jonathan. These were some very strong words. And the Bible says that he left and he was crushed by his shameful behavior towards David. But I have to believe that he was crushed by those words of his father to him as well. And not only did he speak those words, but he literally, literally tried to kill him. He literally tried to kill him. And that's what insecurity will do in our lives. Because, see, Saul was so insecure about his position as king and his sons. He said, look, as long as David's alive, you'll never be king. And he wants his son, obviously, rightly so, the heir to the throne to be king. He said, as long as this will happen, you know, uh, that he's alive, this won't happen. So he was, he was insecure about his position, his son's position, and he went on into a rage. And that's why uh, he acted this way. But, you know, just like Saul, y'all, if we're, if we're plagued with insecurity, we'll hurt those the closest to us, sometimes even our own children. Sometimes even our own children. You know, we, we, you know, I'm a parent and we know we love our kids. Our kids are cute and beautiful. But am I the only parent in here that sometimes your kids get under your skin and you get a little frustrated? By your laugh, I can tell I'm not the only one. But what happens is, is maybe you're having a bad day. Your kids are acting up or whatnot. And, and, and you might, you know, there might be something that because the way your parents treated you or spoke to you, maybe like Saul spoke to his son, it comes right back out. And we're going to see how that, how that happens in a minute and how that, that actually the insecurity gets there. But it can cause us, it can cause us to hurt those around us because we have that insecurity lingering inside of us. So now that we looked at what insecurity is and the fruit of it, let's look at the root of insecurity. 
and how to get free from it. So as I was just talking about with our kids, that's something sometimes that passes down through his generation and generation, that the way that we were treated by our parents, can we treat our, our own kids that way. So what's some of the, the causes, the roots of insecurity? I believe that a lot of it comes from wounds that we have attained in our lifetime. It's wounds we have taken. That's why we'll snap at our kids. We'll snap at other people. We'll hurt others because it's wounds that we have obtained. A lot of them in our childhood, in our own childhood. We, we look at the past and, and we can see that. Things like instability at home, maybe as a child, rejection, abuse, a dramatic change, or a significant loss. We were just talking about praying for, for Lisa Venable and, and, and those of you that have experienced a, a loss. You know, if you, if you lose someone, especially like a spouse, or if you're young and you lost your, your uh, a parent at a young age, that could cause you to be insecure, to lose that stability and that security of a covering and protection at home. And also another thing is, you know, the, the, the society we live in today, you know, the media can cause you to be insecure. Because the media is steady, pumping you, telling you what you should be. The secular media telling you how you should look, how much money you should make, what kind of car you should drive, what kind of house you should live in, and all of that stuff. Am, am I right about that? Are you all watching the same TV and Internet that I am? You know, and now, like I was saying, the first service is it's on our phones. You know, you can, you can if you've got a news app on your phone, you pick, out your, pick up your phone, and you just want to read a news article, and, and all this advertisement is, is, is popping up all over the place about the new car, the new clothes, the new whatever. And if you feed into all that kind of stuff, that can, that can be another source of insecurity, especially the way that we look and whatnot. All right, so now that we know that, the most important thing is how do you get free from insecurity? How do you get free from insecurity? The first thing is that you have to ask the Lord to show you where it came in and to heal you of those wounds. Ask the Lord to show you where did it come in and to heal you of those wounds. Listen, I was praying this morning before, before the first service, and I asked the Lord that even while I was preaching this message and, and with this point, that even now or even before that, the Lord, if this is something that you're dealing with, that the Lord begin to show you even in this service, Begin to show people, even in the service, where this, this insecurity has come from. And you know, God is so faithful. I had a lady come up to me after the first service crying and telling me that as I was saying this, the Lord showed her. And she saw, she said, she said it was me, it was me. And she said, the Lord showed her exactly where it came in. And, and she just, it was awesome. And she could, it was just like the light bulb went off. And I pray the same thing here today. Ask the Lord to show you for this service where it came in and for him to heal you. Now listen, remember the first scripture we read in, in chapter 10? Whenever uh, Samuel went to proclaim Saul as a king, you remember what it said, 1 Samuel 10, I'm going to just read in verse 23. They were looking for him to, 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 to anoint him as king. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. I think this is such a good picture. I wonder how many people are hiding among the baggage of their past. When God has called you to do something great, they were looking for Saul and trying to call Saul into his divine destiny as the king. He was hiding among the baggage. And I think it's a good picture. We have wounds in our life, y'all, that we carry around as baggage. And, and, and what happens is through insecurity, we hide amongst that baggage. That's why we have to allow the Lord to heal us. This is one of the reasons the Lord Jesus came to the earth. Luke 4.18 says that he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So that, that is a big root cause of any insecurity and all of these other things we talked about, the, the problems, the fruit, so to speak, of it. It's because a lot of times there's wounds people have inflicted, abandonment, rejection, abuse. All these things can cause, you know, these wounds. And what happens is when we get older, especially as adults, we just kind of sweep that stuff under the rug for years and years and years and don't even know that it's there. But, it, I, but, but I believe if you ask the Lord, he'll show you. He'll show you. Listen, you know what? 
Insecurity, I can tell you this much. We're talking about where it comes from. I know where insecurity doesn't come from, but it's not from the Lord. So if he hasn't given it to you, he don't want you to keep it. Amen? Don't think, too, just because you get older maybe or you have a, a, a better position in life, maybe a career or whatnot, marital status, whatever it might be, that these things would just go away. If you look at Saul's life, you see Saul in the beginning when he was young and they were looking for him said that he was hiding. He didn't want nobody to see him. He was hiding out because when we found out later he thought little of himself. Well, guess what? He must have never fully dealt with it because later in life, you know, he was, he was still dealing with insecurity, but then it came out as pride, jealousy, and anger. Are you all following me? So just because he got older and became the king of one of the most powerful nations in the world, it was still there, but it just reared his ugly head in a different way. So we got to ask the Lord to show us and to heal us of that stuff. Ask the Lord to show us and heal us. Number two, and this is key, this is what it's really tied into. You must realize who you belong to. You must realize who you belong to. Identity is, is, is insecurity is, is right there tightly knitted with identity. Your identity of who you are. You know, it, it's, a, it, it's not what you do, but who you are. Security is always tied to who you belong to. If you know who you belong to and who you are, you'll be very secure. So who are we? Galatians 3.26 makes it clear. So you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So let me make this something clear because a lot of times I've witnessed to people and I've heard people's testimony, you know, through faith in Jesus, we are children of God. So if you are a born-again believer here, if you accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior and you, you are born again, you are a child of God. Let me, let me just first and foremost say that. I was talking about that. My son was in the first service. You know, if you're a parent and you know you love your child, your child is your child. I don't call my son, yeah, uh, come meet Joah, the first grader from Family Life Christian Academy. His identity is not in what he does, what grade he's in. His identity is that that's my son. He's my firstborn son. I love him because he's my son, and he knows he's my son. Now, let, let me say this, too. You know, I'm not saying that we don't do things or we can't do things that are not pleasing for, to the Lord. We do do things that are pleasing, but, you know, what we do and what we don't do, it's not our identity. Our identity is that we're children of the Most High God. We are, the, the Bible says that, that, that we are, you know, we, we are descendants of Abraham. You look at all, you go read through the Bible, all the blessings that Abraham, uh, you know, you, you read it, you know, all through the, the patriarchs, the Old Testament, they would bless their children, their people, uh, the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they would, they, would, they would pronounce those blessings over our family. You know, it tells us, Paul tells us that through faith in Christ, that we are Abraham's heirs. So all those blessings are ours, and God loves us and are doing these things. He died for us because he loves us, and we're his children. Listen, it's about your identity. Listen, until you know whose you are, you will not know who you are. Let me say that again. Until you know whose you are, you will not know who you are, who you belong to. If you don't know that you are, listen, God loves me for who I am because I'm a child of God, and that's my identity. Your identity is not in what you do, but who you are. Listen, once again, back into my own life, going back into to ministry and security and feeling inadequate. I felt like I didn't measure up. Going back to what does it mean? I feel like I was inadequate. I didn't measure up. I, I was insecure. I was, I was just always comparing myself to other people. And one day I was in the prayer room. The, the prayer room was still over here. Years ago, I was in the prayer room a few years ago, and I remember just crying to the Lord, crying over this, because I had set goals for, for what I wanted to accomplish here in the ministry and for the youth ministry. And I had goals, and I, and, and I didn't reach them, and I didn't see them. Matter of fact, it seemed like they was going the, the opposite direction. I was crying out to the Lord and was so felt like a failure, and the Lord spoke to me. And he basically said, if you were more successful, I wouldn't love you any more. And if you was less successful, I wouldn't love you any less. Because you know what? He loves me because I'm his son. 
Because I'm his son, because he's my daddy, because he's, he's my king. He died for me. It don't say in John 3.16, for God so wanted some successful workers that he sent his only son. Does it say that? God so what? Loved the world. He loves us because we're, we're, we're his children. And, and that, that might be a word for you. You know, you might be trying and trying to, to win God's approval or your spouse's approval or your coworker or friend by what you do. But you got to realize God loves you for who you are. Because you're his child. It goes back to what we were praying. You know, if you just have any doubts of what God thinks about you, look at the cross. He died for us when we were dirty, rotten sinners and didn't want to have nothing to do with him. I know that's true for me at least. Well, Christ was the farthest thing from my mind, but I was still on his mind when he was on the cross. It's who we are. Your identity is not in your career, your marital status, or how you look. Don't let the media tell you what you should be. Going back to that, don't let the media tell you what you should be. We have to learn to separate entertainment from identity. Because movies, uh, you know, you know uh, shows, all this kind of stuff, we, we, people, they portray this and all these kind of things. Uh, that's what we should be. And you look at a lot of these movie stars that, per, that play this in these movies, end up, you know, falling off the wagon, getting divorces, addicted to drugs, committing suicide, and, and, and whatnot. That's not real life. That's not real life. We need to separate that. There's nothing wrong with TV and movies and all that. But you know, that's not real life. You know, real life is not, like every time the seasons change in the fall, you go out and buy a new wardrobe. I don't know, unless you're very rich, nobody can afford to do that, okay? All right? I was just talking to a young guy earlier, and he was telling me how he bought some new clothes. And he said, man, clothes are expensive. He's buying his own clothes now. He realizes that, you know? I said, that's right. Take care of your clothes. They're expensive. You can't, you can't afford. I was saying about the debt. We go into debt in America to try to keep up with what the culture is telling us. Trying to get our, our, our identity is when the, the latest fall fashion, you know, and they don't care about us. They care about our money. They care about our credit card number. That's what the media and this culture cares about. But we take that as our identity and we become all insecure because we don't have the clothes, the car, the house, the career, or maybe the marital status or the success, like I thought, as everybody else. Man, I'm so glad God spoke that to me because that, you know what, I'm holding on to that word to the day that I go be with Jesus because that helped me out tremendously, and I hope it helps you out as well. Listen, go to the word for your identity, not the world. Go to the word for your identity. Look at what God says about you, who, how he feels about you. There's umpteen scriptures you can, you can go over, how much he loves us. And, and David knew this. David knew who he belonged to and how God felt about him. Think about this. If you doubt who we are and who we belong to, Psalm 139, 17, David said, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. David had a revelation of who he was. And that God, have you stopped and thought about that? That God thinks about you so much every day you couldn't even count it? Have you thought about that? That'll help you right there with your identity. And listen, he said, how precious are your thoughts towards me? He didn't say how angry, how disappointed, how frustrated are your thoughts towards me. That's not what he said. He said, how precious. We're, 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 you know, because we're his children. Yes, we do things, once again, that can be displeasing, disobedient to the Lord. But guess what? It's not what we do. It's who we are. Amen? Realize, ask the Lord to give you a revelation who you belong to. You belong to him. You are a child of the most high God. If you have faith in Jesus Christ. And let me clarify this because a lot of people also, and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with this in a few minutes. You know, a lot of people you witness to or maybe talk to say, oh, yeah, well, God's going to forgive me because I'm a child of God. That's not what the Bible says. We're all creations of God. He only calls his children those that are in Christ. Only those that are in Christ are his children. 
It says that he adopted us in by faith. And whenever we got saved, he adopted us in as his own children. Now he loves us as his own children. He created us to be his children, but some people, they forfeit that by, by rejecting the Lord. All right, that's a, that's a side note. Number three, believe that the Lord will break insecurity off of you. Believe that the Lord will break insecurity off of your life. Psalm 125, one says, those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Listen, trust the Lord for your security. Trust that the Lord is going to show you that you are secure in him and your identity, not what you do, not what you have, but in him. And I believe if you trust him, you know, you'll be as secure as Mount Zion. It was a picture. Mount Zion was a picture of security in the Old Testament. And you will not be defeated. I believe and I will speak it over you that you will not be defeated by insecurity, but you will endure forever in victory. Amen. I'm believing that for you today. Come on, believe with me. You must continue to seek the Lord about this. You know, I've been talking about my thing about being insecure. And what happened for me is, you know, uh, whenever uh, I was seeking the Lord and continue to pray, continue to pray, the Lord showed me two years afterwards where he had did a work. Because I've ministered to people about this because I've walked through this myself. And I remember thinking like, man, God broke all that stuff off my life. And he pinned it back to a time of prayer and fasting almost three years ago now. Coming up on another 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. But it was during a time, it was one of the hardest times I walked through because of tragedy in our own life. And, and during that time, I continued to seek the Lord. He pointed me back and said, that's when it broke off. You know, he gave me that rhema years before, that word. But it was during a time of prayer and fasting. Let me encourage you. Seek the Lord through prayer and fasting about this. Any major issue in your life, it's times of prayer and fasting. And you might not even realize it. You might go through a time of prayer and fasting and be like, man, I don't feel nothing, but I'm just hungry. That's it. I don't feel like God did nothing. You know, but in that life, there was something else major going on in my life, and I knew God got me through that time. But two years later, he pointed out and said, that's where it broke off at. And it was just continuously trusting. It wasn't because I did nothing special. I, I didn't know really what I was doing. I was just crying out to God and continued to ask him to help me. But he broke that thing off of my life. And now I feel like David when David said in 2 Samuel twenty two thirty, For by you I run through a troop. By my God I leap over a wall. I can leap over any wall. David knew, once again, who his God was and who he belonged to. He had the confidence to say, by my God, I run through a troop. And you remember, everybody had turned against David. When Saul was after David to kill him, he was on the run for many years and living in caves. Everybody was after him, but still, he was secure that God had him. He was secure. And even Abigail, if there's a story about a lady, Abigail, where he, David was going to kill his, her, her, her husband. And later Abigail tells David, he says, you know, I know God has got you and he's going to keep you secure in his pouch, in his safety pouch. It says like in the New Living Translation. And, and, and she even knew like God's got you. God's got you secure. And look at what he says again in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty three. 23. God is my strong fortress. He guides the blameless in his way and sets him free. He makes my feet like the hinds, firm and able. He sets me secure and confident upon the heights. David knew. David was secure. He knew who he was. He knew who he belonged to. He trusted in the Lord that no matter what my status or anything like that, he knew that God had him and had him secure. His identity was in the Lord. He continued to seek the Lord. We read the book of Psalms, and, and pretty much a lot of the majority of the songs is King David. And you can see his life. You can see his heart. You can see his trials. You can see his tribulation. During all these tough times, he was crying out to God, seeking God for, 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 for who he was and what was going on in his life. And he became secure because he saw God had him, how much God loved him. And that's why we sing a lot of the songs or revert to David as a man. And yes, this is a good example. And David did mess up. David messed up. But when he messed up, he repented, he turned around, and God still referred to him after, as a man after his own heart. 
You know, David was secure, knew who he was in the Lord. Everybody stand up with me. I'm believing today that somebody in here, if maybe hadn't been, haven't been feeling too secure, maybe you haven't, you know, been feeling, you know, inadequate, been feeling like you never measure up. And as I've been speaking today, you, you're thinking, that's me. That's me. Or maybe didn't even think that you, you, you were dealing with this. But as I begin to look at some of the problems, you say, man, that does keep reoccurring. I, I, I am jealous a lot. I do, I do get angry and I, and I take things out. I've hurt a lot of people around me. And I, I'm just, I'm always comparing myself to others. I always feel like I don't measure. Maybe when you begin to hear that, maybe the Lord started, started stirring something up in you. Can we all bow together in prayer? Can, can we all bow, every eye closed, every head bowed? And let's just kind of do, a, let's, let's ask the Lord to do an inventory on us, y'all. Ask the Lord to, to do an, an inventory of your life, of your heart. And what I've talked about this morning, you know, if you're plagued with insecurity and you're always comparing yourself, you don't measure up, we want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. And maybe if you don't think that you are, but maybe you feel like God shined some light on this, like the lady in the first service is like, I see it now. The, the light came on. She knew something wasn't right, and she felt like that the Lord had pointed it out, that it, that it was this. It was this issue of insecurity. If that's you, whenever we, when, when we're about to close in a few minutes, I want you to come up, and I'll, I want you to let us pray with you. But we want to walk with you, too. We want to help you. We'll have some pastors up here and some of the staff, some of the leaders to, to help you and walk with you through this time. And listen, I know it doesn't happen over life. For me, I knew it was going on in my life and it took some time but God is faithful to deliver us from these things and man you know what it's helped me tremendously in my life in my marriage my family and in the ministry not to not not to be comparing myself or looking at my identity and what I do but it's who I am and the last thing I want to say today is I want to ask a question as we talk about this are you secure is your are you secure in your eternity are, 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 do you know your, your eternity is secure? When you cross over from this life to the next, do you know where you spend that eternity? Listen to what John said in 1 John 5, 18. It says, we know that God's children, once again, do not make a practice of sinning. For God's son, talking about Jesus, holds them securely, and the evil one cannot get his hands on him. Do you always feel like the enemy's hands are upon you? Or that if you crossed over to the other side of, if, 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 Today would be the last day that you had here on the earth. Would you be, do you know that your eternity would be secure? With every head by, every eyes closed, and, and all the saints of God praying. If you say today, Brandon, as he was talking, I might feel, I feel insecure about this life, but I'm not secure. I'm not 100% sure if I die today, if I'm a child of God. The question is, are you a child of God? We saw two scriptures that said that we are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ and that the children of God don't make a practice of sinning what we just read. Are you a child of God? Have you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you placed your your hope in him? Have you repented of your sins? Are you still practicing a lifestyle of sinning, a practice? And you've never said, you know what? I need to get right. I need to ask God to forgive me. I'm not 100% sure or secure where I'm going for eternity. If that's you today, I just want you to slip your hand up. If that's you today, say, you know what? I see your hand, man. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? I see your hand also back there. Anybody else? Anyone else? I see your hands back here. Some more. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? I see your hand, young lady. Thank you. God bless you. We're going to all pray together. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer sincerely with your heart. The Bible says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died for us and that, that God raised him from the dead. Come on, I want everybody to pray together. And if you raise your hand, believe this in your heart and pray, pray with us. Say, Lord Jesus, 
I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. I want to make you my Lord and Savior. Take my life. Take it into your hands, Lord. That I'd be secure for eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Now if you prayed that prayer for, uh, for the first time, and you, you, would, or you maybe didn't for the first time, and you was doubting your, 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 your eternal salvation or your, your eternal destination, if that's you t- tonight, we're gonna, to this morning, uh, Pastor Rob, you want to go ahead and come up here? When, when Pastor Rob will be up here. Pastor Nick will be up here. Come tell one of these guys. Come tell me that you prayed that prayer for the first time. We want to we pray for you. We want to get some information from you. Uh, we'd like to pray with you. And also this morning, if this message has resonated in you, and you knew that, that you were dealing with insecurity, or you just kind of feel like that it's kind of, you, you've seen some of the fruits and you believe this can be the root of it, please come up here. We'd like for you to pray with you. We want to encourage you, and I want you to, to team up with somebody to walk with you as well. Let's, let's have a closing prayer. Those begin to make your way up. Thank y'all. God bless y'all. Thank y'all. Let's pray. God bless y'all. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We thank you for all of these, Lord God, that have come up here, Lord, that have given their lives to you, Father. We pray your blessing to be upon them. Come on, how about we extend our hands to these, these brothers and sisters that have just given their life to the Lord. Father, we thank you for them, for the decision that they've made to, to give their lives to you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would just continue to strengthen them, cause them to grow cause them to grow, Lord God, that they would know you, love you, seek you, and serve you all the days of their lives. I pray your blessing to be upon everyone, Lord God, and everyone that has been stirred. God, I pray that you would minister to them, break this off of their life, God, that they would be secure in you, that their identity would be in you, that they would come to know you, Lord God, as you see them, Lord God, as their child, and that you love them for who they are. Father, I thank you. I pray your blessing and your protection amongst everybody as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. You have a wonderful day.